Hear these words from the message, the beginning of the book of Esther. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. Xerxes, who ruled over the 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials and the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes, the nobles of the prophecies, they were all present for a full 180 days. He displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. And when these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of, cords of white linen and purple material and silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on mosaic pavement, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. And wine was served in goblets of gold. I am still reading from the Bible. Each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in the keeping with the king's liberality. But the king's command each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. And on the seventh day, when King Xerxes was high in spirits with wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles for she was lovely to look at. But when the king's but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. And the king became furious and burned with anger. And since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. Seven nobles of Persia and Media who, was, who had special access to the king and were the highest in his kingdom. He said, according to the law, what must be done with Queen Vashti? She's not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. And then Merkamon replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces in the king. For the king's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she would not come. 
This very day, the Persian and Median women of nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end to the disrespect and the discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media which cannot be repealed that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. And also let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. And then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all the vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The kings and nobles were pleased with the advice. So the king did, as Merkman proposed, he sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province and to their own script, to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue. Herein ends the reading of scripture, but not the stupidity of men. You wanted to know where it came from. Brother was drunk. Had everybody in respect looking at him. And he just, he just felt himself pretty good. And, and so he has this moment. This moment where, I don't know, maybe, maybe he thought that, maybe he thought that he could show off not just to the beauty of his palace, not just the beauty of his food, not just the best of his wine, but he's going to make everybody a little jealous by just showing them the beauty of his queen. But he forgot who girlfriend was. Now, I know we, we know this about the story of Esther, but Esther was a woman standing on another woman's shoulders because the Bible is filled with stories of powerful men being put before equally powerful women. Eve's parcel-tongued episode where she and Adam ate themselves out of house and home. Naomi's failure to get the lead role in Monster-in-Law that put Ruth before Boaz, showing that it may be true that the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Tamar, the original script for pretty women, brought her self-serving father-in-law before her to own his responsibilities and admit his failures. And Deborah, her rise to nation's highest court that allowed her, her nation's worst enemy, to die at the hand of another man, woman after serving the man milk and cookies. I'm not making this stuff up. These are the stories that our culture sometimes causes us not to recognize that are in Scripture. Christina Lucille Peterson, who teaches at um, uh, Messiah College, opened her book on women's identity and vocation in Christian perspective with, with this word. She invites us to imagine that two friends run into each other after not seeing each other for a long time. 
And the first one begins a long narrative about places that he's been and the strange jobs that he's had. And, and without taking a breath, he goes from one topic to another, just talking about all the things that have been going on in his life. And then all of a sudden, he glances at his watch and he says, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, we got to get caught up some other time, but I got to run. And the second person just sort of nods and, and, and she feels like yelling out, but I want to tell you, I want to tell you what going on in his boss life too. In our culture, we've heard about men and their experience and their exploits, but we've often forgotten to pay attention to the lives and the achievements of women. For instance, if I were to ask you to name 10 women who were authors, artists, or composers. Or, or, or maybe better yet, if I were to ask you to name 10 women who were mathematicians, chemists, physics, physicists, or biologists. How many inventors and leading business women can you name? Can you name 10 women in American history who are not part of the entertainment industry or married to a president? Or if you have a church background, can you name 10 women leaders in the Bible or 10 women in church history, not including Mary? Later on this week, ask your friends. And if you have trouble making this list, Ask yourself why. The words that we know from this story, this story of Esther that every time I'm asked to preach at a Women's Day service, they tell me that, that, that this is the text. Who knows? Perhaps you have come into position of power for just a time as this. Familiar words. But while we know that Esther ha ha has uh, always been told in the stories of women, it it's important for us to remember that Esther stands on the shoulders of someone else and she, she does an entirely different kind of leadership. L let me see if I can rely on Diane Titbell, who's a Bible scholar and pastor in London, England. She talks about a post-liberal feminist. Let me see if I can tell the story and make the difference for you. Vashti's a feminist. She protested and then vanished. Her name is recorded, but it's not like she did anything else but raise her fist, start a hashtag which is what the king and his men were worried about. It's a moment where in his drunkenness, the king for a moment thought that he had Beyonce for his wife, asking her to come out so they can see her. And maybe he was right. Because girlfriend, she sent a note back to the left, to the left. Everything I own, to the left, to the left, is in that box. Everything you own, in a box in the closet. Brother King, I've had enough. 
But what happens after the protests, after we have a hashtag, after we've marched, after people know our name? Well, maybe there's success. That's what happens in this story. It's an ancient time when women are supposed to be ignored and girlfriend gets a book named after her. We know the story of Joseph getting raised to power in another culture's government. We know the story of Moses getting raised to power in another culture's government. Well, that's the story of Esther. You see, when the men said to the king, put out Esther, uh, put out Vashti, they didn't go home and tell their wives to get out. So when the story continues, the king realizes, I'm a little lonely. I had Beyonce for my wife, and now I put a law out that I can't have her no more. So maybe I can have someone else. And so they find him that beautiful young woman, and it winds up being Esther who wins the Miss Universe contest. And, and she's using all of her Mary Kay, Max Factor, Revlon, and, and she, girlfriend looking good. And her uncle has told her, don't let your accent slip out. And she's enjoying being on the inside. She's enjoying sitting as the second seat in the seat of power. And she can only come when the king calls her, so she has the opportunity to form all the women's groups, just like Vashti had done. And, and life is good for her inside this government. But out on the streets, in the neighborhoods, her people are at the whims of a racist, crazy man. He didn't have to even be drunk to be stupid. Haman is jealous at Mordecai, and he wants to take it out on all the Jews. It was jealousy that made him go off in this hatred. And Mordecai, he's not, he's not preserving himself, guys. He's not saying, look, Haman's kind of mad at me, and I, you know, there might be a showdown. He says, Haman's mad at me, and our people are going to be in trouble. And, and, and Esther, I, I, I need you to step up. And, and Esther's like, I'm on the inside. I know the rules. I will get killed if I try to get the king's attention. And that's the famous line. Who knows that maybe you have come into power for such a time as this. And the story says that Esther plays by the rules. She doesn't start a hashtag. She doesn't start a march. She doesn't protest on Facebook. She has several banquets with the king, several. And the king is pleased 
with her. And when the king is very pleased, he says, whatever you want, just ask for it. I'm going to give it to you. And then she says, well, you know, there was something on my mind. We forget something I learned last January when I was sitting at a historic African-American church, excuse me, last February, when I was sitting at a historic African-American church in Los Angeles, the longtime pastor there had been a, a, a person that was a part of the civil rights movement, uh, Dr. James Lawson, and uh, he was still active in, he is still active in that church, and we were sitting at a panel and we were talking about Black Lives Matter and we were talking about the immigration Im, uh, issue and we were talking about uh, uh, the Muslim situation. We were talking about all the issues and, and we were all getting excited about an offering of protest. What protest could we do? What, what could we set up? And, and, and Dr. Lawson raised his hand when we opened it up for the people at the table to speak. And, and when Dr. Lawson wanted to speak, we all leaned in because we knew wisdom was about to be imparted. And, and, and he said to us, he said, you want to know why African Americans in the 60s had to protest? And we were like, oh, tell us so we will know what to do. He said, we couldn't vote. African Americans didn't have access to power or anyone in the seat of power. So the only thing that we could do then was to fight against an establishment we were not a part of. And in many ways, that's what women have had to do over the years. They have had to fight against a system they were not a part of. But we are in the seat of power right now. We are at Google and we are Fortune 500 company CEOs and and we are, uh, we are running for president. We are senators and we are pastors and we are presidents of companies and we have made ourselves in the seat of power. But the problem in our world is that we are still operating under bad systems. We are using bad rules, a system that is broken. But now that we're at the head, we think we can operate at the top just that bad system like everybody else. Nelson Mandela, when he became president of South Africa, pulled together the Truth and Reconciliation Commission so he could deal with the bad system. And in 1997, when the black leaders of South Africa were employing that same evil system, Mandela called together the Truth and Reconciliation Commission again against the black leaders because he was not saying that when my people get on top, we can be as mean and evil as everybody else has been. He was saying that when we're on top, we are going to do the right thing. Our challenge as women and men supporting women. And I was reminded yesterday 
by a fellow who said, remember, there are going to be some guys in the room. So I'm not just talking to the women. Men, you're going to continue to have seats of power because your sisters in the room are going to make sure that the way that we live is a system of equality that we are demanding. We are not going to practice the unjust systems of oppression that have kept us down for so long, are we? We say that we give ourselves away for, to God. Our lives are to be different than everybody else. Our practices are not supposed to look like the world's. We are supposed to be a glimpse of God's kingdom, a place where male and female are equal because both of us were nothing but lumps of clay that God donated dignity to and said, you bear my image in the world. We are to be glimpses of what God intends to do with everybody. So when they look at us and they see that we claim we have given ourselves away to Jesus, they should see something different. So I'm not here to tell you about women's history, if you haven't noticed. I'm here to tell you about a God who keeps putting powerful men before equally powerful women. So where you're in the presence of whoever it is God gives you a sphere of influence over, don't just go for the people that are of your gender. Go for the people who bear the image of Christ. Do not operate in a system of oppression and injustice that puts one down in the name of my people. Develop a community that is an encourager, that lifts others up, that believes that God has left his mark on everyone. Be like Esther. Know the rules and play by them. And then, when you have the influence, when the power is handed down to you, when you can make a difference in the world, make a difference that brings justice to everyone. Because the way Jesus extends justice is by offering grace. When, when Jesus extends grace, somebody's judged. When, when Jesus said to the woman who was about to be stoned, I'm not going to stone you. It was because the men that had planned to stone her had been judged. His grace to her judged them. When, when Jesus touched the leper, that extension of grace to an outcast judged all the people who were quarantining and putting up a special place and saying, we don't want your kind here. When Jesus said, let the little children come, all the folks that wanted to build a nursery across the street were judged. When Jesus extends grace, someone's judged. So believe that you can extend grace. In the story of the resurrection, because I always have to bring it all the way through. In the story of the resurrection, when when Mary, when the women make it to the tomb before the guys do, the story doesn't tell the story of the women missing it, 
of the men missing it. The story tells the story of Jesus not being there. And we have this story to tell because women had influence. And women didn't put down the disciples, the guys, for not telling the story, for going fishing. That, that wasn't told by the women. That was a confession of the guys. No, the women did what the woman at the well did. Come and see. Could this be the one that we've been waiting for? Our entire world has been turned upside down, not because the Bible went from talking about powerful men to powerful women, but because women and men began to point to the revelation of the creator of the universe that was made known in the man Jesus Christ. And this whole world has been turned upside down simply because of something that women said. So my friends, my brothers and sisters, my colleagues, God's given you a sphere of influence I'll never have. A sphere of influence that President Wright will never have. Each one of you has an individual sphere of influence. And the world needs to know justice. Not a march, not a movement, but at your dinner table, in your small groups, in your congregations, where you worship, where you work on Wednesdays, they need to see you offering the grace of God. And sometimes that means you've got to play by the rules in order to change the system. God is still putting powerful men in the presence of equally powerful women. And who knows, maybe you have been positioned where you are now for such a time as this. Because the world was changed and turned upside down because of what God did in Jesus and something that the women said. Pray with me. As best as we know ourselves, Lord, we want to do what it is that you require in the bodies that you have given us, male or female. Use us to practice justice. Let us favor kindness, and because of the birthmark you gave us when you breathed your spirit into us, let everything we do glorify your name. We offer our whole selves to you. Amen.